Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We appreciate you, Lord, for who you are and what you have done in all of creation and in our very lives. We thank you for how you have led us through all of our endeavors today and how you have shown us mercy and provided for us and guided us and helped us. We are particularly grateful for the privilege you have given unto us to be able to come before your presence today as your people to learn from your word. We ask, Lord, that as we um, consider your word and as pastor leads us in the Bible study, that you would open our eyes uh, and our ears that we might be able to behold um, wonderful things from your word and get to understand um, the truths that are necessary for us to understand for the sake of our lives here on earth as we worship you. We pray, Lord, that you would speak through him and you would also um, help us be attentive and that at the end of this um, period, Lord, would even be much better in our understanding of you and in our resolution to live for your glory. Thank you because you have heard us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was not in church last week, Tuesday. Ayodeji uh, was, uh, was the one uh, that taught. How many of you were here last week, Tuesday? Can you indicate by a show of hand? Okay. Uh, was he able to deal with the entire first paragraph of chapter 14? Did he finish paragraph one of chapter 14? That's how I know whether you were here. Not just are you here physically. Were you here with your head, head and heart? And, okay, he did. So what do you think chapter, uh, paragraph one of chapter 14 was dealing with or is dealing with? What do you think? Who can give us a summary of paragraph one? Or what you have learned in paragraph one of chapter 14 on saving faith? Hello, 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 hello. So if you want to do crash, look at it very quickly and then well, what, what have you, uh, yeah, Daniel, at answer. Yes? Mike? Yeah, leave the greeting now, yeah? Well, go get into the work. <laughs> okay, um, we learned that the elect, that, that is God, that helps the the elect believes that it is God that helps them, that saves them, that and we are saved by faith in God. The elect believe. My head is not in one place at the moment. Okay, who wants to kind of put this together? 
Perhaps I should read the first paragraph again in your hearing. Maybe it will help. The grace of faith whereby the elect are enabled to believe to the saving of their souls is the work of the Spirit of Christ in their hearts and is ordinarily wrought by the ministry of the world, by which also and by the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper, prayer, and other means appointed of God, it is increased and strengthened. So, who, who now remember what was taught last week, Tuesday? I believe, Brother taught that faith is the faith by which you believe is a gift. Did you hear that last week? It's a gift from God. And this is an echo from chapter 11 on justification. Chapter 11, maybe paragraph 2, talks about faith receiving the gift of salvation. Okay? Alright? So, it's a gift and it's the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And it's wrought by the ministry of the world and then and is strengthened by the means of grace. I think generally what chapter 14 does or will do to us is to give us two, two ways in which faith is used in the New Testament. Paragraph 1, if you are a careful student, is just is, is giving you a kind of definition of faith, of saving faith at a subjective level. Like when I put my trust, and if faith is what? What is faith? Faith is, is it trust? Yeah? Faith is believing. It's like, who can give me an example, this, this room situation example of faith right now? Something you can look now and say faith. Yes. So are you think, are you, as you are sitting now, are you, think, are you praying, oh Lord, oh Lord, help this year to carry me, oh Lord. Why do you think why are you not praying for the chair to carry you? You have faith that this chair can, can bear your burden. And why do you think this chair can carry you? Why do you think this chair can carry you? Who taught you that this chair can carry you? No way. Many people have sat on this plateau chair before, and then the next Sunday they were on the ground. What is the objective truth? Yes, the way the chair is framed, you you've observed that the chair is not two legs, and it's not three. How many legs? Four. 
So between the three legged, of course, there are some stool that are three leg, uh, legged, I don't know. Or they don't have two legged chair. Except the one that masquerade used to sit on top of masquerade. But between the four legged chair and three or whatever, you, you have evaluated the fact before you and you believe this can carry it. Okay? And so you have look at your weight also and you are sure this is a career. If you are weighing 300 uh, kilograms, uh, or I'm just, uh, eh? so she, uh, and then you, you look at the chair, the chair also will look at you. you see, I'm not sure I've been in the boat before when somebody's sitting down. The taxi man wants to carry forward at the back, and one person like taking like three space and then say shift now, and then the person is shifting, and then no matter how much she shifts, <laughs> you are still not containing everybody. Now you look if if observe this, it's not that it's not that you were told just sit on anything. As long as you believe you can carry you, you can carry you. Is that how you is, is, is that what you were told? Is that what you were told that when you were when you were born as a child? You were told by your parents and your teacher that anytime you want to sit down, sit down. Don't even look at what you are sitting on top. Just believe in your head that it can carry you, and then you sit, and then you carry you. Is that what you were taught? You were taught to even turn back first, then make sure the chair is good, and then you sit on there. That is faith. That is believing. That is trust. Okay? Uh, did, did you mention four types of seven faith? Four types of faith. Last week, or types of faith. Because when we are defining certain faith, we are defining it in contrast to other faith. Other faith. Was there any contrasting of certain faith with other things last week? I'm not sure. Historically, uh, I mean, for to enrich your vocabulary. The word faith in Greek is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. I mean, you can put that uh, in your pocket, pistis. That is in the noun form, and then the verb form is uh, pisteo. Okay? Okay, repeat after me, pistis. Pistis. Again. Again. Not pisto, pistis. Is, 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 you know, when, when the confession said he, the uh, serving faith is ordinarily rough by the word of God, it's not saying that the word ordinary there does not mean merely rough. It does not mean faith is rough like ordinarily that at the lower level for, for small, small Christian, it is the word of God. Their faith comes by the word of God. So the word ordinary, that should not make it, should not make it look like the word of God is ordinary in working. So that we're not going to look at this at levels, okay. But for some bigger Christian, faith is wrought in them supernaturally. I think the word ordinarily there is, is saying that certain faith is wrought in the heart of the elect normatively. By the word of God. That is the, the normal operation of God in walking in saving faith in the hearts of those who will believe is the word of God. What that means is that before you became a Christian, you hear faith come by and hearing 
Of course, there are a few instances where people will tell you, me, I don't hear any word of God, though. One night, one angel appeared to me in my dream in a white cassock. And then he told me to go and go to that church or go to, I don't know, and then I became a Christian. After time, you should press that thing deeper. I mean, those, most of them are not, some, most of them are, are kind of afraid of hallucination and all, kind of funny, funny. It, it, it's always that if there are supernatural way that God is drawing a man to himself, particularly if you are living in an Islamic world, it is that he will draw you to a preacher or send you to a church where you will hear the word of God. Because at paragraph two is going to check it out. The faith that the faith that you are putting your faith inside is an objective faith. There's 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 four, there's a four-legged reality with this faith that you must do. It's not just like just okay, begin to preach Jesus. And again, I've met many people. They are just they want to say, I don't know Bible, but he said I should be shouting Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost. They, they, Jesus, Jesus met me in my dream. And say, go and preach. Go and liberate my people. And, and by next week, the guy is cutting down all the local trees in the villages that this is where witchcraft used to meet. And then he's shouting, Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost fire. I got open to John 3.16. He said, no, no. Mm-mm. That's not how it is. The faith that you've come to know as a believer is objective, is, 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 um, is cogent, is reasonable. Is it comes with propositions? What's the what's proposition? Hmm? Statement, yes, statement of fact that one plus one is two, two plus two is four, like that. It comes with statement of fact that you can understand. Okay, that's where we, and then this faith can be strengthened. And how is uh, our faith strengthened? What are the means by which our faith are strengthened? Huh? The the word then the word is the Baba. The word is the is the grand norm. Then mention them. Prayer. Mm-hmm. Communion. Mm-hmm. Why are you taking it from the behind? Your the, your entry point into the church is what? Baptism. Then followed by. Communion. Do you eat communion before you are baptized? Some of you have different arguments on that, okay? Here you don't eat. If you eat, you're on your own. If baptism comes first, of course there's an institution where that can happen and it's not a matter of hell and hellfire and heaven. And then prayer and then other means of grace. Okay. Now, if you understand why you say these are strengthened, you don't if you don't have saving faith, if if it has not been given to you by God if it has not been worked into your heart by the Holy Spirit, you cannot go on one mountain and pray. There's nothing to... See, that's why we're saying communion does not save you. Prayer does not save you. Just read the Bible does not save you. What again does not save you. Uh, baptism does not save you. All this does not save you. These things are strengthening that which has been deposited in you already, i.e. serving faith. You understand that now. God has worked something into your heart. And then, by a privilege, you are sharing in, in the strengthening of that precious gift that God has given you uh, by the Holy Ghost. Okay. 
let me just, by way of uh, emphasis, mention that uh, above, there are different kinds of faith. And the first one is what you will be discussed, true saving faith. Saving faith is the one that has its sole object in Christ Jesus. When there is saving faith, he latches himself to Christ. There is, uh, there is a force. There is a force that moves a person that has saving faith to Christ. It's in relationship to Christ. Saving faith is in relationship to who? To Christ. And the work of salvation. There are other faiths that we also know in the scripture called um, temporary faith. How many of you have heard this before? Let's do temporary faith. One person. One person. Wrong. You don't know about temporary faith. Example? Parable of? Parable of the soul. Okay? Another example, Simon Magus. Okay? You see, these things, this, on the surface, these people are so promising. They have received the word and they are on fire for God. Okay? What they have received is actually what they have been, what they are excited about is actually the word of God. It's about, is is true. But is that what ought to have happened in them supernaturally had not yet happened. So this seed is on the ground that is either by the wayside or is on the is it rocky rocky soil or somewhere else. The, The soil the the faith, the saving faith, which is the soil by which the work of Christ is received, is lacking. So they are, they, they have taken all of this truth intellectually, and they are running with it. And then when, they are, when there is persecution, bam. When money issue come, bam. So they won't last. Yeah? This afternoon I was, I was. I was on phone with another brother, and there is this brother whom we've been praying for because he told us he's undergoing some persecution. <laughs> well, the case is the, the thing is changing now, and we don't really know who is undergoing who is persecuting him or who is not persecuting. Now the guy is now said, he said, "Thank God, he never gave his life to Christ completely." That is, you will have burned his bridges before, but if I don't, if, it's like, like the guy is saying, if at all Christianity was his only hope, like you burn everything, enter church. I'm not sure that's what I'm talking about. You, have, you just enter Christianity, you burn all your talisman, everything. He said, if I don't finish, that church people are wicked people. Because he's being pressed to the wall now, and he's saying, thank God I never dive into Christ, lying hook. And sinker. That's a temporary faith. Christian for 10 years, Christian for 15 years, Christian for 20 years, Christian for 25 years, and after a while, you'll be surprised at the transition from pastor to native doctor. Complete switch. Start having mass creed, yeah? Start even becoming a champion of a 
new age thoughts or atheists. See, see me, I used to be a pastor, but I'm telling you, there's no God. And the very fruits of the word of God that were precious to him become a tool for discrediting Christ. Second one is what the uh, forefathers call historical faith. Now, how many of you have heard that before? Historical is not just like history. Is it is by this faith a lot of people behave like Christians. We are sit down. In this, and I've met them. You know, there are many people that like Jesus Christ. They say, no, he was a good man. Whatever the Bible says, they don't have any issue with it. If those people even provide their house for church to meet, you see them doing activities. But it's just that. You know, class is not their only hope. They have not rested in Christ. They still have other opinion, you know? Yes, yes, Christ is good. He's the son of God. He died. I don't have an issue with it. But there is this but. And they will use Christ. Christ is like an example. Example of goodness. Example of meekness. In fact, Mahatma Gandhi, non-resistant uh, movement, largely were drawn from Christ. So people use Christ as a, as, as a springboard just to have a nice life there. But in terms of accepting Christ completely, line, hook, and sinker, like I'm in Christ now, he's my Lord and personal savior, and everything he says, I will follow. Uh, that's where they don't, they, don't, they don't go that far. But the, you can't really query them on the surface as to human virtue. They love Jesus. They take biblical principle. They apply it in their business. They will not cheat. They will not do this. They will not do this. They will do a lot of good things, but they are not yet saved. The fourth one is the faith, as mentioned by the apostle, that comes, that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, that some have the gift of faith. How many of you have seen that? Of course, hands should go up. That is not like, is this not saving faith? All those who are saved have saving faith, okay? But there are some among us, or historically, particularly in the early church, that God gave the gift of faith. What that means is that in a difficult situation when Oche was saying, let's pack up and go. There was no, 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 God can still walk. These, these, these are those who have the gift of healing, of, of, of moving in a very massive and, and terrible way. It's called the gift of faith. Hope you are following that. That, is not, that should not be contrasted with the, with the saving faith. This faith is the gift of the Holy Spirit, whereby he empowers an individual Christian to work a particular uh, gift within the body of Christ, like the gift of faith, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of uh, 
the gift of uh, administration, the gift of this as is give as is given the holy scriptures. Okay. These are our four areas, four gifts that we have. So far, so good. Uh, do you have any issue? I don't think I'll finish paragraph two tonight, but let me just open it up. If you have the confession in your hand, turn to paragraph two of chapter 14 on saving faith. By this faith, by this saving faith. Now we are moving to the realm of objective reality. Paragraph one deals with subjective, that's in, at the subjective level where I'm putting my... is not about you. you. You are putting your faith in Christ Jesus. Paragraph 2 is finding what that looks like. The object of that faith. What that faith latches itself onto, like magnets. If this, um, if this metal now, and this is metal, what happened? It moves together. If this is not metal, if this is magnet, even if the whole world is magnet, and I'm trying to place this thing, it won't work. What saving faith latches itself onto, that is what we are looking at in paragraph 2. By this faith, a Christian believes to be true whatsoever is revealed in the world for the authority of God himself, and also apprehends an excellency therein above all other writings and all things in the world as it bears forth the glory of God in his attributes, the excellency of Christ in his nature and offices, and the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit in his workings and operations, and so is enabled to cast his soul upon the truth thus believed, and also acteth differently upon that which each particular passage thereof containeth yielding obedience to the commands, trembling at the threatenings, and embracing the promises of God for this life and that which is to come. But the principal acts of saving faith have immediate relation to Christ. The principal, the principal acts, the principal acts of saving faith have immediate relation to Christ. Accepting receiving and resting upon him alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of the covenant of grace. Wow, this is massive to unpack. Let's look at the first point that we need to learn tonight. By this faith, a Christian believes to be true whatsoever is revealed in the word of God for the authority of God himself and also apprehended an excellency therein above all the writings and all things in the world as it bears forth the glory of God in his attributes and excellency of Christ in his nature and offices and the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit in his workings and operations and so it's enabled to cast his soul upon the truth does believe. Hmm. Now,
it's not enough to say I have seven faiths. Okay? I'm just, I'm bringing it down to the level we can understand. It's not enough to say I have seven faiths. All of us can claim seven faiths. But how do you gauge, how do you, how do you measure the objective reality or the quality of this faith in your life, in your own life, or in the life of those who profess to be Christians, is that when a certain faith is active, is present in the life, there is an embrace. There is a wholesale apprehension. There is a wholesale dive. There is a kind of acceptance, a complete acceptance of the word of God, i.e. the Holy Scriptures. 66 books in this Holy Scripture. Seven faith agrees with the word of God and see the word of God as the authority of God himself without questioning. Because the one of the chief objects of saving faith is the word. Like I once said, saving faith is, is normatively wrought by what? By the word of God. Because there are some persons who say they believe in Jesus Christ, but they don't believe in the word of God. Some will say the word of God, this Bible contains the word of God, it contains the word of Satan, it contains the word of men, it contains, these are crazy ideas. Some even say, well, this Bible has been mutilated over centuries, eh? it has been stolen. Uh, people have, some bad guys have redacted the scripture, so it's no longer in its puristic uh, presentation. So, I don't like Bible, I will rest on the Lord, whatever he tells me from above, I live by it. No. Or some will say, yeah, there's some truth in the word of God. It applies to God, but does not apply to me. Or some will say, well, that was for 18th century uh, Christians. How could Paul knew in 21st century? I'm not just caric- I'm saying what people say. You know, I had the privilege of being lectured. You know, <laughs> if you go to the kind of Bible school I went, I mean, you are not like a bit matured. Because they allow you to listen to stuff that you will not listen to ordinarily. So I listened to Matthew Chance for like two hours of lecture. Matthew Chance is the Pope of LGBTQ uh, churches around the world. He, he used to, his dad and mom are pastors, are pastors. His dad is a pastor. The pastor kid. She's the one that go around to interpret the scripture that his son like this. Yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed not because of homosexuality. So when people are even using the word sodomy for homosexuality is wrong. That the sin in Sodom was not a sin of homosexuality. It was a sin of rape. That the angels came to Sodom and they, they want to rape the angels, and God was angry. Now, through, 
Okay, even at Sunday school level, was it that evening that there was a rape angels that God got angry? That God has been angry with them before the angels came. Even the angels came to pack lots out and, and set the city on fire. You see? And then he now said, What? And, and, and he make it consistent. His argument is that even what Paul is saying, he's talking about a man having a relationship with another man in a non consensual in a non-stable and monogamous way. So in antiquity, and even our times, you hardly find those who are in the LGBT, because of children, I'm just using terms that you can understand, LGBTQ, those who are in that category. If you go to Jaws at uh, Masasi Juma, you see some dandaldus around this area, in Kano, in Northern North, they have their cells. There's, people just use them for ritual purposes. In, in Africa, um, LGBT issue is usually made for power, like, like kings. Like kings. Most of the African kings, it's part of their ritual to, be, to do that thing because it fortifies the medicines that sustain the throne. So majority of African chiefs, kings, across boards are into that stuff, including my own king. So, so is, is this all people that have that... Yes, your king have ear, earrings. Eh? There's, there's a story to that. Answer that. Um, then the story is that, that those who are into that situation and they were not kings are arbitrary. So today, I mean, it is it is difficult to find the same person of your type. So you are just going around. If you are in Abuja, you find anybody. Good luck to you. Or you, you know. And then Matthew Chance is saying that Paul. He's talking about those things. But what the LGBT churches are preaching is monogamous, stable, loving, and consensual relationship. So if two men are committed to each other lovingly, and they're not cheating on each other, and they love each other, and they love Jesus, And there are a lot of foolishness out there saying, I am gay and I love Jesus. If you pass through their churches, you see I am gay and I love Jesus. So the idea that you can love Jesus, that Jesus and some sinful tendency can go habit. Because when Apostle Paul and Jesus were preaching in their days, in their days, they had no idea. We have moved. We have moved. Science. For instance, you will not see IVF in the Bible, will you? For instance, there's no human rights movement against slavery in the Bible. Huh? We've moved. So the simplistic idea that the Bible is antiquated, that we are much more of, we know better now. So Paul, even, so Paul was never married, so he was he's confused about, that Paul was single, he's so confused about marriages, that his idea about marriages, woman preacher, is wrong. And I mentioned to you Sunday evening that this is not just Matthew Chan speaking. I've met pastors in this city now who are saying that the Bible is outdated. The Bible is, is good, is good, is good then, and it's fairly good now. But you must upgrade. In your, you must upgrade. You must go higher than the Bible. Saving faith. Saving faith. 
agrees with the word of with the word of God totally. Totally. You are not picking and choosing, picking and choosing, and then you know, no. No. That's the nature of sin. Secondly, so, so you, are, you are seeing the word of God as the authority of God. That whatever is revealing the word of God is the final authority of God himself. Let's just read some passages and then uh, we'll close. Acts chapter 24 verse 14 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. Acts chapter 24 verse 14. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. Anyone can read Acts chapter 24 verse 14. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything, everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. Okay? That is Paul uh, addressing uh, Felix at uh, uh, Caesarea during one of his trials. And Paul said, this way, you know, they used to call Christianity as a sect in those days. Say this way. Say, I believe in everything written, both in the law and the prophet, everything. Not just an aspect of it, everything. Everything. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Is, okay, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Yeah. So you're not going to... When saving faith is active, you will not hear things like, well, that was Paul speaking there. That was James speaking there. Uh, well, that is Jesus. So let's mark Jesus' word in red. Then mark Paul's word in purple. And then we can do what we want with Paul. Maybe with Jesus, his words are sacrosanct. So we don't, we don't touch Jesus' words so much. But whatever things we see, oh, come on, Matthew is a man. Come on, do you believe Paul? <laughs> no. Everything in the scripture the Christians see it as authoritative as God's word. And you are not at liberty to change it, to alter it, to upgrade it, or to fine-tune it. The word of God is tried how many times? By the, by the book of Psalms? How many times? It has been tried for 2,000 years. No, more than that. For 6,000 years running. By way of by, by just and then a person who has saving faith also apprehended an excellency the, the excellency of the word of God. See, the word of God is not just 
a bunch of words thrown at you and said, oh, well, I have seven feet. I have no option. I have to see this word of God as the word of God. And then they are choking it down your throat. Say, God, kill me if you want. It's the word of God. I don't want to be called a heretic. No. David said, how I love your law. You also love it. And you praise it above every other writings. So if Aristotle or Plato come in contrast, in sharp contrast to the word of God, they go down. If science, if science, anytime you see science and the word of God contradicting, it is human being doing poor job at science. Science, science just observes what is there. Science does not put anything there. And science cannot even trump the word of God. And you will not see anywhere in the word of God where science is, is, is challenged. You know, those who lack arguments say, hey, the Bible says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sun. Well, science told us now that uh, the sun does not rise and the sun does not set. By now you know that it's a foolish argument. Okay? So that is uh, where I would like to pause for a while this evening. The object, you know, there are some words we use for saving faith, like when you say, I've put my faith in Christ, I've trusted Christ, I feed on Christ, I look on Christ, I embrace Christ. These are terms that describe the reality of our saving faith. And where there is saving faith, and what that means, what that means is that it, you have joined yourself to Christ by faith. And this faith is a gift of God. Efficient truth. It's not by works. It is a gift that God gave you. And then you apprehended his son completely and the entirety of his work. And then whatever God says, you love it. And you see it as authoritative. You can't go to the scripture, first of all, subjectively. You can't even go there devotionally, first of all. You must see the word of God for what it is. It is what it is. It is the word of God. It is final. It is authoritative. It is inerrant, without error. It is original orthographed. It is without error. Even some scribal errors and some typographical errors that can be seen in various translations, if you put all of them together, some, you can tell, they are less than 1%, isn't it? All the errors, maybe 2% of 66 books, written by how many authors? 40, span across how many years? 1,600 years. No? Am I sure? Yes. About. You can... Trust it. And if the word of God, if you are not anchored on the word of God, you are doing your own thing. And as Calvin put it, our heart is factory of idols. If the word of God is not our anchor, we will manufacture many things that look like Christianity, but it is not. And there are a lot of things that are masquerading themselves as Christianity, and they're not Christianity. Your own visions, your own dreams, your trance, your mountain experience, your 
your supernatural, some 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 may even die at one point in time. We put you in the mortuary, and three days later, you walk out of the mortuary. Even if you experience that kind of situation, if you are not Jesus, you will never be. And then you come from mortuary with some gospel. There are angels, four angels, two carry your hand here, two carry your hand here, and then they took you to the gate of hell. And then so as Modius, you see uh, angel uh, Satan putting charcoal in the fire. And then fire was so hot, you were not born. God angels was with you. And then now you even saw some pastors there. And then they say, go back now, become an, a lady uh, evangelist. And straight from hell, you are back on earth from mortuary. And then ministry has started. It has no bearing in the word of God. Of course, people will gather around you. Because you just came back from, who will not want to hear someone who just came back from hell? You remember in those days in the village? Many of you grew up in the city, but let me, in the village, in those days, you are going to secondary school. Maybe in this whole village, I have a cousin, she's the first lady that was allowed to go to school around in the, in the, in the 60s. Whole village of about 5,000 people, only one person. Because from your village to the nearest to the next school, it's like, it's so far. So your parents will just send you away if you are, if you are not needed, like, <laughs> because there's no phone to even call you whether you have reached. They will see you off to a train station, maybe whatever is the nearest thing, and then they put you in the 911 or Bedford, and then you are gone. But guess what? What happened is that from village, now you are staying in a hostel. As bad as hostel life is, they give you a box, they this box, this iron metal box. They see this is somebody's school, this with, with padlock, eh? And then you're coming back from school with that thing on your head, with your khaki or your labor uniform. You become an instant hit in the village. Everybody come around you. Because in the city of blind people, one eyed person is a king. And then I remember in those days in my form one, I barely understand English in my form one fully. And then letters are waiting for you because people write letters to their parents from all over Nigeria in those days. Letters that takes one year to reach. Write letter, then they say, Oh, you are waiting, oh, come, come and read later. And in those days, even those who are saying later, they don't understand English. They have dictionary in their house. Then they study later. Doxology. I took pain at this wonderful evening. There's some kind of thing that even you guys, okay, I don't know doxology <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> so, now, what I'm giving the owner of the letter is a redacted version of what they, sometimes I don't even know what, just say, okay, that, is that what he's saying? Okay, now. Then they will reply. You now sit down, and then you reply, and then you give them. They have to go to market, they say. So if you just came out from hell now, in the days of biblical illiteracy, the, the, the sheer fact that you died and came back to life is, is something that people want to cover around it. And the fact that you could say some things that look supernatural. This is, some of you that grew up in the city, some things you hear are supernatural, are normal in some villages. And then you are following those things. And Paul says, even if an angel comes from heaven and preach to you, other than that which has been delivered by the word of God, let that angel be anathema. 
even if he's a professor of linguistics, and then he's preaching something strange, purporting to have received a revelation from God. No. Saving faith apprehends the entirety of the word of God and see the word of God, not just logos, but rhema and logos combined. And it is the word of God. It's not just the word of God, an authority. God is an authority that must be obeyed. So I order my life. There is no saving faith where our life is not ordered in accordance with the word of God. When we look at the word of God and we do something else and claim to be saved, no, we are not yet saved. Unless there is an equilibrium, there is a matching of what we are reading, what we are hearing, with how our lives are ordered in all of its details, from how we eat, how we greet in our marriages, in our school, everything. If the word of God is not superintending over all our lives, we cannot be truly saved. Perhaps we are temporarily saved. And sooner or later, when the economy of Nigeria improves, and the federal government are giving you one million naira every month as uh, unemployment allowances, trust me, it will happen. One of these days, things will get better. Maybe when I'm gone, I hope it happens in my own time. When they'll be giving you 500,000, 500,000, finish the university, except to take for unemployment allowances. At that point, God becomes secondary. If your faith is temporal, you just say, I'm no longer a Christian. Yes, good, because we are never one. Or in the days of crisis, maybe a sickness just come upon you. It's okay. So God, you are not healing me. All the, all the things I've done for you. I've served you. I was your deacon. I was your pastor. I was your prophet. I was this. And then you allow cancer to enter my body. I'm off. Off to where? From God we come. <laughs> from Off from where? Of course, we're never saved. Saving faith. This is the lens by which you apprehend all reality. Any question? Yeah, uh, Is it online? The subject, the subject matter of, um, temporary faith. Yes, the temporary faith. Um, is it a case of, I want to talk on certainties. What is certain is that they who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. At what point does such calling become genuine? Because it's possible that you talked about a Christian who has been there 10 years, 15 years. It is very possible that many times he has looked upon his life and said, Lord, save me. Now, if we have an assurance that they who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, why does that turn out to be the case for those who in quotes, fall away from the faith. But when they say those that call upon the modulation of the self, it's not just mere calling. It's mere calling. It is what is pushing that call. You know, the, the issue of Simon in the book of Acts, 
He saw what Paul was doing. Is it Paul or Peter? No, it's not Paul, not Peter. Is it Philip? Philip. And the guy who abandoned his uh, whatever business he was doing with magic and became a disciple. And so he continued with Philip until Peter came. And then there was an upgrade. Peter just, Holy Ghost was given. He said, I don't got to take money. <laughs> I need this. I, let me say it to this anointing. I need this. And Peter said, Polish with your money. You don't have any part in this matter. It's not just a mere calling. It is a calling that is by faith. If a, if a, if a person, just, we're not just calling on God to save us nominally. It is an active force that comes from within on the back of the work of Christ propelled by the Holy Ghost. And you remember what, push, what should push that call. Thomas Watson talks about what repentance, we are going to talk about repentance later. All of a sudden, the horror of sin, the repugnancy of sin, and to whom sin violates. The Holy Spirit takes sin and opens it up and shows you what sin is and the danger and the wrath of God that sits upon you. It's called conviction. And this conviction is because your heart is now regenerated. It's a fallout of regeneration. It is from that point you are saying, God save me, Mogwe, and they got saved. But it's possible for you to be, you walk into, walk into the church, maybe you follow your girlfriend to church, and then the pastor is just pumping you with end, end, end times uh, someone. Give your life to Christ this, this evening. From here to the gate now, God will knock you. You will die. Yeah. Or, if you are looking for promotion, Jesus is a miracle working master. All you need to do is give your life to Christ. Then the preacher gives you testimony. In 1994, a brother walked into this church, poor. And as he gave his life to Christ, the Lord changed his life. And then he will give himself as an example of how he used to be poor and wretched. And then he gave his life to Christ. And then he became a rich person. I said, okay, this makes sense. Jesus, you love me too much. With yourself. Too much. Too much. I just love you. Save me, save me, save me. And then come to the altar. Say after me, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I give my love to you. And then let We can actually act superficially. It's just that as a pastor, I don't know where these tears, your tears, I don't know where they are coming from. Tears will not save you. By saying, Jesus save me, your salvation is not resting in saying, Jesus save me. It is the fact of the reality of what God has done in your life, in your generation. You know that. From that point, you call unto God, and God hear the sound of his children at any point. He will save them. Those who call him genuinely. If you have not called him genuinely, if you're not called, he's not hearing you. You are not his child. And you have to square all this now with the definition of election and predestination. Hmm? Yes, we are not still yet clear. 
we are all aware that I, mean, I don't know for anyone but i don't think we can yeah, come to that point is. that you can say that this was genuine given that we are sinful people so even in your purported genuineness it might not necessarily even be genuine so i am i'm coming from the part that the, the simplicity of the gospel is that um you call upon the name of the lord and you are saved that's that's the simplicity of the gospel no once, once you i'm just using that word for um statement sake <clears throat> right so that would mean that it is it is only when that gift of faith we see mm-hmm. comes upon a man that he can even make such a genuine call yeah. right let me just yes. you know, stretch it thank you for answering that question because you are trying to stretch it too much that's it you see the, the saving grace that brought the elect to salvation is given to them by the Holy Spirit and it's part of the, the fact of their generation. They don't have that gift. And that will be tested over time, isn't it? The genuineness of the first call will be tested for the rest of your life. So your assurance continues to build as you work with God. Okay? My father is a retired pastor so in his 80s now. He said, my son, until you're in the casket too. <laughs> because also he believes in the brethren kind of theology where there's no assurance. Okay, those guys, the white men, there was no assurance at all. Even with our own assurance too, eh? One of your eyes on the word of God, and then you're looking at yourself on a daily basis, and look at your compliance. And I like what my father said, until you're in the casket. Until you're in the casket. Until you're in the casket. So, you're already working with the Lord, actively. Even though you're not saved by works, you're working with him. And this will be tested over time by battles we are going to overcome, the temptation you are going to overcome. You are looking at your own desires. That you, when you lie down on the bed, what what are your, what what are the things that occupies your soul, your affections? We are testing this thing. And the reason why we are saying this is that it's only you that know whether you are genuine or not. There is no how I wish I can be a DBA. Once in a while, I, I put something on your head. Pew pew pew, right? And then you are not safe. You out. No. God does not give pastors and church. You just say, okay, this holy communion is for Christians. Take. Eh? And we tell you what the word of God says about who take it on what day. So we give it to you. It is you. And as you are taking trust conscience, you say, oh God, now you take holy communion. Hey. Hey. You say, keep quiet, keep quiet, keep quiet. I'll repent tomorrow. I'll repent. Next week I'll read. The, those who have temporary faith or historical faith, there is a, there is, uh, there is, there is a thesis written by, it should be, the, this is a multi-theologist called uh, Dabney about these people. Where, yes, they agree with the proposition of, of Christ, of the Bible, but it's like they are walking around it. When a man is saying, yeah, I think that is, yeah, I think that is bad. Okay, I'll fix it. Christmas. That's when you begin to know you're never saved. This is first sign. You say, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm touching my girl. By Christmas, I'll, 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 I'll. Anyway, my wedding, is also, my wedding is coming in August. After I'm married, 
That's how you should know now that you never sinned. If sin does not terrify you immediately, like the sight of sin, if there's no terror that will just jack you, you should know for sure you're not God's child. Trust me. Or he has abandoned you to taste the bitterness of sin for a while. So you will be tested over time. Nobody is going to say, ah, there's no evidence. Of course, there are some clear signs, but after a while, you should talk to yourself and say, hmm, do I really have any faith? Do I? I'm a hypocrite. And if, it's, if you are a hypocrite, confess your sin to God. Cry to God. Cry to God until it becomes so real in your life. The day you become safe, you will know. You will know. But don't ask me to give you a list of because what our sinful nature does is that if I give you 10 steps for, for salvation now, you start working hard to meet up that 10 step. I'm telling you, if you are struggling with particular sin now here, and I, I, all you want, when I just tell you, go and pray to God about it, it doesn't look heavy. What if I tell you, walk to Kubwa and come back 10 times and say our Lord's prayer as you are going and come back and go and come back. If you can do that in a day, all your sins are forgiven. Many of you will like that one. You see people doing it, talking to Kubu and coming back. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Just to be the canon. But it's, it's simple, but it's a simplistic. The day you become saved, the day the Holy Ghost come upon you and give you new life, you will know from within. You will know by your affections how you love the Lord. How you love. This Bible, you don't want to put it down. It's so, so rich. When people talk about. We talked about the errors in the Bible. I have tried my best to find it. I can't see it. You know why? The thing you love, you are blind to that thing which you love. I'm not going here to look for some typographical error. The whole Bible is food to my soul. How do you convince the parents that their children are ugly? There's no more question. Let's land here and go home. But you should never be afraid to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I saved? When you, are, when you are shaving in the morning in your bathroom, naked by yourself in the bathroom, look at yourself in the mirror. Am I saved? If my siblings know exactly who I am, not even God yet, if human beings, if my neighbors, if my landlord, if my wife know exactly what I'm up to. I'm like, chef. You know, Pastor Baby say this thing, you see, you see some of you here are past, you say you are pastors. People people look at you as gold. You know, I mean I, I don't women can testify to this thing. There are some gold past gold bar. You know, there are some gold from church and in in uh, in Mina. And there are some they're investing in some things. And said some of you you are, you, are, you are good as long as you are within a particular temperature. He said, but when you turn into a furnace, dust. Heavenly Father, these are heavy matters. We err in many ways. Our assurance is not in our ability to do morbid introspection of our following you. It is the fact that you die for us. 
and you live for us and that you are following you. Thank you for saving us. And if there's anyone here tonight who is not yet saved, trouble their soul until they fall on their knees and give their life to you. Bless all of us tonight as we go home. And bless the rest of the week with your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good night, my friends.